Hey guys, on today's pod, me and Matt discuss matchups. More specifically, we discuss the top teams in the Eastern Conference and how they match up with the Toronto Raptors. Then, as a bonus at the end, we talk about the team out of the West, and that's the Golden State Warriors, which the Raptors are most likely to face should they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Finally, there's a little bit of breaking news at the end in regards to Bradley Beal, and me and Matt discuss possible options for Bradley Beal including, you know, kind of a doomsday scenario for the Toronto Raptors and the fact of the last place that we want to see him going. Overall, it was a great pod. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Mike, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was great. I know you guys celebrate at a different time. So we had Thanksgiving Thursday for us Americans, and then Saturday was my favorite holiday of the year, truly. That's Ohio State versus Michigan. Ohio State pulled away with a nice blowout victory despite being four-and-a-half-point underdogs. So everything is great in the I thought, did you get any great things on Black Friday? I bought a TV, Ooh. but nothing crazy. Nothing so. crazy, but but uh, but yeah. were you standing out in line in front of Best Buy in the snow at like three in the morning to be first in line to get the TV? No, I did an online TV, and it was a three hundred dollar kind of forty inch, and if. It happens to be that I missed out on 50 bucks. Then I consider that well worth it in order to not sit in the freezing cold. See, that was always the thing that bugged me. Uh, so, see, Black Friday is becoming bigger here. Um, okay. And because uh, Boxing Day was always our day, right? Like that was like the Black mm-hmm. Friday sort of day, because Chris because Christmas is just a little bit of a bigger deal here, I think, than than in the United States because Thanksgiving is so big, and um, we would always go to uh, Buffalo in this case, uh, for Black Friday. And I was always so mad that we could never bring, like, TVs back over the border or anything. Um, but, man, you guys have it good <laughs> there with the deals because the deals are nowhere near as good as they are here, even with conversion uh, uh, on the dollar, for the most part. It's, uh, it's obviously a little bit less because we have to con- because our dollar is lower than yours, but it's still quite, uh, quite, quite the savings that you get. I wish we had it. Yeah, it would be weird, I guess, because Black Friday wouldn't be after a holiday for you, so it's just, you know, a normal Friday. Yeah, and we, and, and I mean, we still have it. I mean, like, to be honest with you, the, uh, like, uh, I work pretty close to one of the big malls here in, in, in my town, and it, and I, I, I couldn't park. I had to drive around the mall three times before I could actually find a parking spot, so... Even though, even though it, you know, Black Friday fever is so big uh, in the states, it seeps into Canada, especially the cities closer to the border in the in the southern part of the country. Mm, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I'm out on Black Friday at this time. It's too much for me to handle. <laughs> but 
Moving on to the Raptors. <laughs> Matt, I asked you to take a look at the top teams we're going to discuss. What I consider the biggest threats to the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs this season, that would be the Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers, Boston Celtics, and then on the West Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors. With all due respect to Nuggets fans and to L.A. Clippers fans, I know you guys are playing well. I don't really take anyone in the West a serious threat to get out of it besides Golden State. And in the East, no offense to Indiana, who is also playing well this season, but I still think that you know, these four teams are kind of ahead of the pack, and I think you agree with me. Oh, yeah, I think so too. And, and, and I mean, Indiana, I think, is one piece away from being in that conversation. Uh, not sh- sure what that piece is. Maybe a, a, a some sort of running mate to run alongside Oladipo. I think, uh, like, uh, I mean, obviously, but like, I don't know if it's a big guy or a, you know more of a winger or a point guard. But um, yeah, I just think I mean Indiana looks sitting pretty right now at eleven and eight, fifth in the fifth spot there. But uh, I mean, I don't think Boston is going to remain in that seventh seed for forever. I mean, that would be crazy if they did, but. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, there's too much talent on that team that, despite the 10 of 10 record, which if you're really looking at a 10 and 8, 11 and 8, 10 and 10, it's not that big of a difference. Yeah. So when you consider the talent on that team, I still believe that they're, you know, in the same tier as the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, and it, so oh, let's, no, no, I know I was gonna, Sorry. I was just gonna say too, and I mean, I know we're all very happy about the 17 and 4 record, but the Raptors have a very difficult stretch coming up here, and and I mean. I mean, I know we're not reviewing the week or anything this week, but I mean, they actually haven't their their offense hasn't as clicked as well over the last maybe two weeks. So, uh, you know, playing against some stiffer competition is actually going to be interesting to see what happens. I totally agree. Uh, net rating wise, the Raptors are second in the NBA, so that's actually a little bit worse than their record. Just, I mean, I guess just barely. So that's also something to keep in mind. Yeah. With that said, let's go ahead and jump into it. The Boston Celtics. Now, just as a reminder to everybody out there, what we're going to do here is we're going to review how great of a matchup this team is versus the Toronto Raptors. So how well did the Raptors match up versus this team in the postseason? Not how good is the team. So obviously the Golden State Warriors, regardless of how they match up with Toronto, would be the most difficult team to play in the playoffs. But we're just looking at how they match up specifically versus the Raptors. So, Matt, if I told you the Boston Celtics on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most difficult matchup, 1 being the easiest matchup, how do you think they match up versus the Toronto Raptors? So, 1's being the easiest, right? Well, yeah, yeah, 1's the easiest, 10 is the Yeah, hardest. you know, I would I would say 3.5. Um, think, I think the Raptors... When in the in the off season, were really focused on the Boston Celtics, and really built their team to match up with them. Uh, if I look at the Boston Celtics starting lineup, I think maybe I only see two um, uh, two advantages to the Raptors three uh, in terms of players. Like I would give Kyrie the edge over Lowry, and and just ever so slightly, but just. I mean, I mean the, the the last game against the Celtics proved that you know when Kyrie gets into that zone, that Super Saiyan zone, he is pretty unbeatable. And you know, I I would still give a slight slight edge to Al Horford as well over Ibaka, but again, very very slight. But other than that, I mean Tatum, Kawhi, obviously Kawhi, um, Siakam, 
or I mean, or sorry, I guess it would be Kawhi, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, Siakam, Tatum. I'm gonna take the hot take and take Siakam. Uh, and uh, who's the other start? Danny Green. Yeah, yeah, Danny Green Hayward. I mean, I mean Hayward. Hayward might be the better player in the long run, but Danny Green is the more accomplished champion. And I think that in the in the clutch. I'm also going to take a hot take there and take and take Danny Green. I just think I just think and Gordon Hayward is still a step slow and it's going to be and I think that is going to be really telling up the whole Boston Celtics season is if Gordon Hayward can finally just trust his body again and really find that aggression that he needs to because even still he looks a little tentative uh, when he's playing and I think that that is actually probably holding the team back quite a bit. Right. Yeah. I'm with you. I. I would say it probably leans, I'll go with a four and a half. So in the same ballpark as you, maybe not quite as much. I Offensively for the Raptors, there's not anyone on the Celtics. So the Celtics are a great defensive team. They really have good personnel, one through, or really two through five. Kyrie is not great defensively, but it's better than he was in Cleveland. They have a lot of guys that just don't make mistakes defensively, and Al Horford is, has been one of the most underrated defenders at the center position for years. What they don't have is a wing player who can really shut down Kawhi Leonard. He's so much stronger, and we've seen this in the matchup so far. He's so much stronger than all three of those guys there. And Gordon Hayward, maybe back when he was in Utah, could handle him. But it's going to be a learning curve for Gordon Hayward as far as easing himself back into action. And he hasn't shown anything so far. Jason Tatum, for as much as potential as he's shown, he's not strong enough to handle Kawhi Leonard. And Jalen Brown... As good as he is, is not strong enough at this point. Defensively, I think that the Celtics' biggest weakness is that one singular wing defender who can match up and guard a score like him or like Giannis, so that doesn't work well for them. Although, as a team, they're a great defense. Now, on the other side of the ball, what, Celt- what the Celtics have working in their advantage is Kyrie Irving, to me, is a tough matchup for Kyle Lowry. He's just really slippery, and once he goes insane like he did in the most recent matchup, there's not much that Kyle Lowry can do to stop him because he's just so quick. We saw Kawhi Leonard guard Kyrie for a couple possessions last time they played. Kyrie torched him pretty bad. I want to say that he had an effective field goal percentage of about 65-70% against Kawhi, which obviously it's small sample size, but um, as great a defender as Kawhi is, I'm not sure that Kyrie Irving is the best matchup for him. So I believe that the Raptors have a pretty good advantage on the offensive end, and I think the Celtics kind of counter that with an offensive advantage of their own. Yeah, and I th- it's hard to – for me, I think it's hard to, to put much stock into that last game as well just because we were down so many players and I think a huge piece on the defensive end in OG for that game. Um, and I think – that some of the supporting cast members for the Raptors, as much as we're as much as we keep on saying, you know, hey, we will get it together, hey, we'll get it together. Um, we could also say the same thing about some of the Toronto Raptors that have underperformed, like like Fred VanVleet could play better, and CJ Miles could definitely play better. And if we can get those other pieces locked in at the right time and playing well, and you know, good on Nick Nurse for really throwing them back out there after coming back from their injuries as well that could really provide the extra pieces to help it, because like you said i mean there's like Kyrie Irving can draw a lot of fouls and 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 you always want to have those backup players for fouls plus also i think i would take JV over Aaron Baines any day yeah i, I totally agree right now we should, probably should have mentioned this off the stop 
the start. The Boston Celtics had the second rate rated defense in the NBA mm-hmm. and the 27th ranked offense. They are sandwiched between the Orlando Magic and the Phoenix Suns. Oof. That I, I don't think that can last. They're it's they have too talented of a roster, but it's really amazing how bad they're struggling offensively right now. And their starting lineup is really the cause of that, which is amazing to me. So I think they'll turn it around. However, as we talked about here, there are certain advantages that I think undeniably lean in the Raptors' advantage. And one of those that we haven't mentioned so far is just, you know, the Celtics, they they throw a lot of wings at you when you're talking with Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, so many guys on the wing that can score. Luckily for the Raptors, they have so many wing defenders when you talk about Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, Danny Green. A lot of those guys are really versatile and able to switch, you know, positions two through four. Yeah, I and and I think that that's what, re- that's what Boston caught a lot of people off with last year in the playoffs was their ability to switch and do and, and have play one through five basically guarding any position for the most part. So with the Raptors kind of countering that, they they even each other out and, and and a lot of teams are actually doing it now too trying to have more positionless rosters that it's probably i mean it's throwing the celtics off their game and probably not letting them get into their offensive sets as well as they need to and i mean let's admit Kyrie Irving went off that last game and if there's a i mean if the celtics are going to have to rely on him to go off like that every single game Teams can counteract over a seven-game playoff series, and that could limit Kyrie's effectiveness over the long run. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, one thing I, that I was kind of researching getting ready for this pod is I thought with Kyle Lowry attacking Kyrie Irving, that might be an area where the Raptors might be able to get, gain an advantage. Interestingly enough, since he's gone to Boston, Kyle Lowry has performed He's performed well against the Celtics, but he hasn't really tore them up in any respect. What I attribute that to being is Al Horford's such a great pick-and-roll defender, and Kyle Lowry, you know, he's not just someone who's going to blow by the point guard. He relies more on pick-and-roll and craft and things like that, and when you're facing off against a guy like Al Horford in the pick-and-roll, it's maybe not as easy to gain an advantage even if Kyrie Irving isn't a master defender himself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just get a little concerned about some of the teams they've been losing to over the last little while. I mean, if you really look at it, right, they're what they're they're one and three in their last four, and they have losses to Dallas, the New York, and uh, who's Charlotte? Chicago. The CHO is uh, uh, Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you shouldn't really be losing to those teams if you're a top if you're a top team, right? So, so, so I, I mean, I mean, it's not coaching. It's definitely not coaching. It, it, I, I mean, their struggles must lie on the. I mean, they must be lying on that offensive end. Right. Yeah. It's a 27th rating. They're not getting good shots. They're not. Yeah. Getting, they really have no one who can get to the hoop at will besides Kyrie, and he's a smaller guard who doesn't get to the free throw line. They're one of the worst in the league in free throw attempts. They're struggling this year, but just as far as a matchup, I'm with you. I think it tilts in the Raptors' advantage. However, I don't believe it's a slam dunk. Raptors are just a tough matchup for the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I I really can't wait for the next matchup. And we said this on our last 
podcast uh, as well where we talked a lot about the Boston Celtics. But I think it's going to be really great that there's a, a, a larger gap between between the games now before they play again to really, you know, let both teams figure themselves out a little bit because the Raptors were certainly on the we're on a we're on the downswing a little bit there and having a really bad week uh, when they played Boston last time and Boston's obviously had a tough start to the season so it'll be really interesting to see about 35 40 games in uh, how these teams are performing yeah I, I couldn't agree yeah. more let's let's move on to the other team in the Eastern Conference who was underperforming expectations has kind of gotten by the past couple of weeks with smokes and me Smoke and mirrors, a couple of Jimmy Butler heroic performances, including two monster step backs. And that's the Philadelphia 76ers. Matt, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being an easy matchup, 10 being a difficult matchup, how do you believe the Raptors match up with the 76ers? I think the Raptors match up, it's about a 3. So a little bit easier than Boston. And the reason why is the same reason we were harping on before is the spacing is the issue with with the 76ers over the long run and especially in a seven game series in the playoffs i mean who stretches the floor for this team consistently right jimmy butler maybe but it is easier to pack the paint against any team in the nba than i mean i mean any elite team anyway than it is the 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 philadelphia 76ers right ben ben simmons still is being i mean he's really still doing having a really great year but in the playoffs again right what are you going to do you're going to give him space in the half court and not allow him to not allow him to get out and run as much as you can and i think that that's where his his effectiveness his effectiveness ends we have really great defenders i think too to guard uh, joel Embiid. obviously he's going to get his and he's an elite player but I trust the combination of JV and Ibaka in this case, and I, I mean more so ever than this season, where both guys are playing really well, and, J, and of course Ibaka, the man reborn. So, and then with Jimmy Butler, well, we have Kawhi Leonard to 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 help, you know, defend him, and I think that Kawhi with his strength matches up really well against uh, Jimmy Butler's strength, and I trust Kawhi's composure more than I trust Jimmy Butler's composure in a, in a playoff series. Other than that, I mean, J.J. Redick, they're, they're trying to spread the floor, but their bench is also a little depleted due to the Jimmy Butler trade. So where is the extra support going to come for this team? I'm not sure that they have enough of it to push uh, the 76ers in a set, or, or sorry, push the Raptors in a seven-game series. I'm with you. I, I'm going to go even more. I'm going to go with a two. As far as this matchup is concerned, I believe that this is probably the best of the major four teams matchup-wise for the Toronto Raptors. I want to start off with the Raptors' strength, and that will be defensively. I believe that they're going to be able to clog everything up versus 76ers. Like you mentioned with that spacing, there's just not enough on the 76ers right now. There's not enough spacing from other guys. You can put Danny Green on J.J. Redick and let him chase around screens. At this point in his career, I believe that's Danny Green's best skill set is his ability to kind of run around screens and chase shooters, and I think he matches up very well with J.J. Redick as we saw in the first matchup between the two teams this season. As far as Kawhi Leonard, I'm not so sure they won't just stick him on Ben Simmons and kind of just allow him to harass Ben Simmons all game. He did so well against him last time that I think the route might be 
to either just let him handle Simmons and allow Jimmy Butler to get his to some extent, or and there's really some questions on whether Markel Fultz will be on this team come playoff time. I believe there's a good chance that he gets dealt before the trade deadline this season. But if he's going to be playing legitimate minutes against the Toronto Raptors, I'm not so sure I wouldn't put Kawhi Leonard on Markel Fultz and let him just play center field, kind of muck up everything for everybody else. We saw the Hawks did that versus them, and really, I'm not sure if they did beat the 76ers or if it was close, but we saw, I saw Kent Bazemore playing center field guarding Markel Fultz. Expect something similar to that if Markel Fultz isn't dealt. But as the 76ers stand right now, I'm just not sure how they're going to score on the Raptors. Yep. Now, where the 76ers do have a chance is defensively, they are legitimate. They have Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, two monster wings with crazy length. Those guys are both, you know, nearing all defensive teams, if not already on them. And then they funnel everything into Ben or to Joel Embiid, who's either the best defensive player in the NBA or one of. So defensively, they can match up with anybody, including the Toronto Raptors. But I'm just not sure how they if they have enough offensive firepower unless they make a move to handle the Raptors. Yeah. Um, what do you think Mar- Markel Fultz's trade value is? Like what? Like like what are you getting back in return for him? Because I imagine that it wouldn't be very much unless it's like Kyle Korver, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, it's either – I think it's probably a rotation piece, mm-hmm. a eighth man, ninth man. And honestly, it might just be getting off the money for next year at this point. Yeah. Like, I, he's, been, he's been bad enough that that contract is worth $9 million next year. He's a negative value. It's hard to imagine him being worth $9 million next season. Now, obviously, you have the upside play if he changes situations and somehow figures it out. However, I can't imagine he's worth much more than a Kyle Korver, like you said, or someone along the realm of an eighth, ninth man of a good playoff team. Yeah, I, that, that, that's someone I don't want the 76ers to get is Kyle Korver. <laughs> a, a, a lockdown shooter is really what this team needs. It feels like they're going to make a move for a shooter, don't you think so? Oh, my so? God, yes. And, and I, the, every time I look at Twitter, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid for that Adrian Wojciechowski bomb. Of, you know, they got some some guy that just really spreads the floor for them. Yeah, so right now I just don't think that they can match this Raptors blow for blow in the scoring category. That being said, they still have some assets when you talk about the Zaire Smith which everybody seems to have forgotten about, but he was a lottery pick last season. They have that Miami Heat pick, which is looking better and better by the day. So they really have, they still have some assets that they can throw into a deal. They could even throw, and this is, this would be one of the more interesting trades in the NBA to me. They can throw the chance that that Kings pick is the number one overall pick in a deal. So that would be an interesting move to me. I'm not sure how much value that has right now, but I would like to see it dealt. The 76ers, as it currently stands, I don't think are good enough to match up with the Raptors. However, I do expect a moves coming to raise that, you know, two that I have now to something more along the lines of four or five. Yeah. I just I just worry that they've, they, they've clearly said, screw the process and are trading a lot of their assets that they have. I wonder where they get better, especially if they 
do re-sign Jimmy Butler long term, right? Like where, like, like where do they get better in terms of their rotation pieces? What piece is going to really, what, what, like, you know, earth-shattering piece is really going to come in to help put them over the top? You know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. They still do have cap space this off season, provided they renounce Redick, and you know he would be a big loss to their team. But if they renounce Redick and nothing else, they have 20 million in space. If they find a way to get off Fultz's deal, that's 30 million. So yeah, they have a couple more cards to play. But you're right, the clock is the window is officially opened and it's starting to shut at this point, even if it's shutting slowly. Man, that's crazy too. But I mean. I mean, clearly Philadelphia is excited. They're actually second in attendance in the league as well. So, um, I mean, I mean, I'm really happy for Philly fans right now that they the, that they've got an exciting team after so long. But yeah, I just think they might run into the Toronto Raptors at some point, and and, and that'll be it. I agree. As far as teams that I want to see in the playoffs, the 76ers, even despite their early season struggles, I just think that the matchup for the Raptors versus 76ers is better than the matchup versus Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Next up, I am bringing you the leader in net rating, the second place in the Eastern Conference, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks. Matt, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the hardest, 1 being the easiest, how do you think the Raptors match up with the Bucks? Uh, a 1, obviously. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I mean – Gosh, it's like a nine. <laughs> it's uh, I think I think the Bucks are the team that that terrifies me the most. Um, you know, a lot of people. Uh, you know, you'll I hear the argument every once in a while that coaching doesn't matter in basketball. Coaching completely matters in basketball. I think Mike Budenholzer has been the best offseason acquisition this team could have had. I mean, he he has this team playing so outstandingly well on both ends of the ball, and like you said, the leader in net rating that. The the GM the GM of the of the Milwaukee Bucks has always valued length, and I feel like Jason Kidd never knew what to do with that length or how to utilize it properly. But Mike Budenholzer does, and that is a um, a, a terrifying thought. I mean, this team this team one through one one through eight is just so good defensively, and so and and is can score in so many different ways. Uh, Chris Middleton's obviously playing fantastic. He. Uh, he, he's he's really he's really turned it around in, in this thriving in this Mike Boonholzer system. Eric Bledsoe playing way better than last year as well. I think that uh, you know he, the the Bucks got him pretty cheap last year and and it's really showing. And then Thon Maker right really coming around and and uh, and becoming that off the bench piece that is just really the difference in that spark that sometimes the be- that you need from the bench when you're especially when you're in a little bit of a lull. And I really like the and I really like Ilyasova on this team. I think that he uh, you know is a more veteran piece that really just brings it all together and, 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 and gels this team. And for me, I think it's the length that is the hardest for the Raptors to match up with in this case, especially when they play those small ball lineups of you know Lowry, Fred VanVleet, and uh, and Delon. Even at times we've seen this season, I don't know how that works against the Bucks. Well, to Thon Maker, I'm not sure Thon gets in the series against the Raptors. So Brooke Lopez is going to start. You'll see uh, Serge Ibaka matched up with him in my opinion mm-hmm. for most of the night. Mm-hmm. And then when you throw JV in, I'm not sure how Thon can just stay on the floor. I think he just gets beasted down low and overpowered by. JV, who is too much for him to handle down low, and yes, Thon presents some problems on the perimeter for 
JV, but he's not skilled enough offensively that I'm truly worried about Thon. As a whole, I'm with you. I'm going to go with a 7. I'm not quite as worried as you are. Mostly be that we have Kawhi Leonard to match up on Giannis, and obviously he's a straw that stirs the drink for the Toronto or for the Milwaukee Bucks. This season, he's having an MVP-like season. He's probably, I would say, the MVP frontrunner at this point in time. They have been in a ridiculous plus 11.3 when he's on the court this season. He's, you know, he just when you put four shooters around him, it's similar to LeBron when or even still at this point in his career, when you put four shooters around Giannis and just let him go to work, it doesn't matter if you're Kawhi Leonard, it doesn't matter who you are. There's not one player who can single-handedly guard Giannis when he's driving to the hoop with a spaced floor. So we've seen that from Budenholzer this season. Brooke Lopez has been a phenomenal fit for them so far. Eric Bledsoe looks reinvigorated. He's been playing better on defense than at any point. This team knows its identity. They're going to play fast. They're going to play through Giannis. And they've been in many ways, or really in every way, the biggest surprise of the season so far. They have the best offensive rating so far this year. They have they are scoring two points more per 100 possessions than the Golden State Warriors, which is a crazy statistic. And then they have the sixth-ranked defense at this point. So they're better than the Raptors on offense and defense so far this season. Obviously, there's still a lot to handle. The Raptors still have the best record. But if we're talking teams that worry me the most, I think it's for sure the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference. Oh, def- yeah, definitely. I think I – mean, I mean, I mean, even still, right, they're also a tough team. Like, their defensive rating is still fifth in the league. Like, that's like that's very impressive as well, right? And you're, and you're going to win a lot of games being uh, first in offensive rating and, and fifth in defensive rating as well. I think this team plays with a lot of swagger and is very tough too, right? And I think that that's just a very important – important thing they know that they're good and they know that they can win and like you said they know their identity and that's and that's a team that's scary right as a team that really understands their identity i think um you know the first game of the milwaukee against the milwaukee bucks was kind of a wash uh they play them again on december 9th which is next week uh it's going to be you know the scotiabank arena you guys better bring it because it, it needs to be loud in there it needs to be intimidating and the bucks need to understand that this is a place to fear because I don't know if the Bucks fear the Raptors at all. I feel like they're they they feel like they're in the driver's seat and it's only a matter of time. So I mean the Bucks also have some very nice wins under their belt. Uh, I mean their last few wins, San Antonio and Portland, right? They were just on that Eastern uh, that or sorry that Western Conference road trip and they beat some really good teams. Uh, I mean Denver as well, right? Uh, I mean that's a really that's a really good Western Conference trip to. Uh, to have wins against with their only loss being against Phoenix of all teams, <laughs> but, um, but only by two. So yeah, I think, uh, I think the Eastern conference right now is two. you know, that the elite elite level right now is a two horse race between the, uh, the Raptors and the Bucks, And if the, and if Boston can pull it together, we'll bring them in there too. Yeah. These teams, as far as when you talk about it, they haven't shown it to this point yet, but, I still believe the ceiling on the Boston Celtics offense is higher than the ceiling on the 76ers when you talk about just spacing on the floor and everything like that. And then those are the teams that, to me, have the best two-way potential. When you talk about the Bucs, you know, they're sixth in defense, first in offense. They, If you're talking to a team that's top five in both offense and defense, that's one of the top – they have to be one of the top three teams in the NBA – 
The Raptors can also be top five in both offense and defense by the time the season's over with. They just, they can beat you both in a knockdown dragout fight or in a high tempo game. The Bucks are playing with the third fastest pace of any team in the NBA this season. I'm sorry, fourth fastest. And when you get Giannis in transition like that, it's just a lot to handle. So as much as I believe in Kawhi Leonard and I believe in the Raptors defense, that's a team to some extent is going to get theirs, and you got to make sure that you get it back on the other end. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, they've also beat the Golden State Warriors at this point as well, right? 134. Yeah, put it yeah, on. Yeah, right? Like, really. And, and, and they actually started this slump that Golden State is currently in. Right. Yeah. That and the Steph Curry injury doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to those Warriors. Matt, on a scale of not talent-wise, because I think despite their troubles, we're still in the same camp that the Warriors are the most talented team in the NBA when healthy. Just as far as a matchup is concerned, how do you believe the Golden State Warriors match up with the Toronto Raptors? I mean, I guess I guess actually the question is, do the Toronto Raptors match up better, or how, how do they match up with the Golden State Warriors? And you know what? I mean, if I mean, yeah, we're taking out talent for a second. I actually think the Raptors match up really well with the Golden State Warriors, and I mean, it's again, it's again, Golden State kind of brought in that whole positionless basketball play, right? The whole switch, the you know, you know, switch everything and 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 have one through five be able to guard any position, and and they were the guys that kind of you know defined that over the years. And for me, I think that the Raptors have moved to that. Um, that style, and they really match up pretty well, right? Like, Lowry, Lowry, I mean, no one can really guard Steph Curry, right? But, I mean, Lowry at least matches up with him. But I think it's really in the Kawhi Durant, the, um, you know, Danny Green, Clay Thompson. That's an interesting matchup. I think Clay obviously has the advantage there. And then who do you put on Draymond, right? Do you put on our version of Draymond Siakam? Do you maybe put OG on there? And how do and and we? I feel like we can also throw more defenders at the Golden State Warriors than they can throw back at us, and that's what makes them really interesting. Also, JV versus Demarcus Cousins down the line could also be a very interesting matchup. I kind of wish the Raptors didn't play Golden State so close back to back, so we could see how that how Valanciunas would match up with Cousins on a Golden State team. But, I mean, I still think, I mean, and this is going to be sound crazy to say, but I think that the Raptors actually might match up a little bit better with Golden State uh, than they do with Milwaukee. Is that is that is that a hot take? No. I, we're, again, we're talking matchup, not talent-wise. Yeah, yeah. st- I still believe the Warriors are a harder team to beat than the Milwaukee yeah, Bucks. Yeah. But if we're just talking matchup, I'm with you. I I believe the Raptors match up relatively well with the Golden State Warriors. You talk about Kawhi to throw on KD, and that's about as well as you can do against KD defensively. You have Danny Green to chase Clay Thompson around screens. Pascal Siakam matches up well with Draymond, and then Serge Ibaka versus whatever center that the you know the center du jour that the Warriors have. Maybe it's Boogie Cousins by the time that he gets back and healthy. Maybe it's not. Even if it is, I don't. Think that's a terrible matchup for the Raptors. Curry, yes, is a trouble for Kyle Lowry, but if there's someone that Kyle Lowry matches up well, it's with a sh- explosive shooter where Kyle can kind of use his wits to stay with him and everything like that. If we're just talking matchup, 
I believe that the Raptors have a pretty good matchup when it comes to the Golden State Warriors. Also, if you talk about the Warriors' biggest Achilles heel, it's depth. And that's, well, theoretically still a strength of the Toronto Raptors. The the Raptors bench, provided they turn it around, I'm still I'm still hopeful that they will before the season is over. I still think that the Raptors hold the advantage in that area. And when you talk about the death lineup for the Golden State Warriors, where they put all these different guys and Draymond at center, then you put Serge Ibaka at center to match Draymond. You put Pascal on Andre Iguodala. And it's not a terrible matchup for Toronto. If we're just talking the X's and O's of how you match up versus each team, I'm with you. I think the Bucks are a tougher matchup than the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I think I, I think you mentioned a big a big thing there, which is if the Raptors were to lose Lowry and Kawhi and to injury, obviously, and Golden State were to lose Steph Curry. And uh, and Durant to injury, I think the Raptors could survive the blow more so than the Warriors could, and I think that that's a big advantage for them. Of course, it's a huge hypothetical. If I don't know, I I don't know in what crazy that happens. Yeah, but if you if you're just talking who's more talented, three through fifteen, I'm with you. The Raptors are the problem. Are the problem is Kyle Lowry's maybe the twentieth best player in the NBA and. Steph Curry's the second best player in the NBA. Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, as good as he is, I still don't think he's quite at Kevin Durant's level. So, yeah, I'm with you. Three through 15, I think the Raptors are more talented. However, one and two for the Warriors are just a better matchup than, or just a better team than, you know, the two, the top two for the Toronto Raptors. It is, it, it is interesting seeing this crack in the Warriors of the egos coming through a little bit. Um, I don't think I don't think in the end it'll it'll ruin anything this year, but it is just interesting that you know in in some ways the mighty always fall or the mighty always crack and uh, and uh, while, while while the scenes are there right now, right and everything can change. It's still it's still fascinating to watch that this that that it always gets to this point. <laughs> you know that right yeah, right. <laughs> like, we that's why when you know Jeff Van Gundy was saying write him up for seven or eight titles. It just doesn't work that way. Eventually, things fracture. I, To me, it's a fracture in the June of 2019 rather than in, you know, or I'm sorry, in July of 2019 rather than May of 2019, which is obviously a big difference if we're talking NBA championship or not. In the offseason, I believe this is probably the last year of the Kevin Durant, you know, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson Warriors. But if we're just talking this season, although I do believe that the Raptors are a pretty good matchup versus the Warriors, the Warriors' talent is just too much to overcome, in my opinion. Is Draymond also a free agent this year too? No, he has a he year has left. a year left. Okay, yeah, yeah. Do you think do you think that if Durant does leave, that 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 the doors are wide open and that there's a new there's a new king in town. Like if Durant goes and joins the Lakers, which is of course what the NBA wants, but I, uh, if Durant leaves the Golden State Warriors, they still, in theory, have a team that's talented enough to win the title. What I think happens if Durant leaves the Warriors is another team who's kind of the number two team or the number three team makes a monster move to improve themselves enough that they jump how good Golden State is. So, you know, once they see that power vacuum at the top, somebody's going to make a move 
to kind of surpass, kind of to jump into the new power stroke to the new number one spot. If that makes sense. So the Raptors, who have traded for Bradley Beal at that point, will also add Giannis to their team, and then will have the best team, right? Yeah, a little breaking news. I guess we can cover that as we go here. Bradley Beal, according to Chris Sheridan, has reportedly said that he wants out immediately. So that's a little breaking news. I'm not sure. I still don't believe the Raptors are a serious contender. To me, they're an outside shot at landing him. More likely is he's going to go to an Eastern Conference opponent who's a more serious threat than the Washington Wizards. And I, I just, I don't know who the landing point is for Bradley Beal, but I'm very interested to see where it will be. Are you nervous that the Sixers might be able to get in there somehow and get, and you know, like, yeah. yes, yeah. To be frank, yeah. When we talk about adding another shooter for them, Bradley Beal's an elite level shooter. He's a pretty good defender as well. You talk about adding a guy who can basically take the place of JJ Redick. Or even play alongside J.J. Redick, who's just as an elite of a shooter and a more uh, better defender. Probably not, not just as elite of a shooter as J.J. Redick, but a very good shooter and is a great defender like that. To me, that would be kind of, as we talked about the 76ers not having enough spacing or offensive firepower, that Bradley Beal move to me would be enough to kind of vault them into that, you know, Milwaukee-Toronto conversation that we were talking about earlier. What is, what is the Bradley Beal price? Because, I mean, he has so much term left, right? Like, it's like it's obviously not a... It, and a good contract, Yeah, too. yeah, so, yeah. Like, I, I, it's high, so, you know, we I kind of wrote a piece about what it would take to get Bradley Beal. For the Raptors, I said that it would be <clears throat> JV, OG Ananobi, DeLon Wright, and a 2021 lottery-protected first. Really? Which is a lot. I'm not saying that the Raptors should do that deal. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But to me, that's the price. When you talk about having an all-star shooting guard who has two and a half years at a good contract left, that's where you have to start, in my opinion. Yeah. But what do the Sixers give up to get is that? Like, like you know what I mean? It, yeah, it would be, to me, it's probably Fultz, Zaire Smith, a that Miami 2021 first round pick and like Wilson Chandler. Yeah, which is, I mean, again, quite a lot. But I mean, that's a that's a that's a pretty scary team of Embiid and Simmons and Butler and Beal. Yeah, exactly. It, it leaves them shallow, and Elton Brand would have to fill in kind of around the margins. But it's easier to fill in around the margins than it is to get a guy like Bradley Beal. Of course, of course, the top, of course, the top story. Uh, Bradley Beal would be perfect for the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> the Lakers are the super team in waiting. <laughs> they're gonna have, they're gonna have LeBron and Beal and Kawhi and Anthony Davis and Durant. Ah, well, <laughs> sounds like a good team. <laughs> Bradley um, Beal is your point guard, and then you have, and then you have LeBron as your three, uh, Kawhi as your two, Durant as your four. And uh, the Anthony Davis has your five. Whew. Right. Yeah. You know, Durant, I'm sure, is probably going to take the mid-level exception to play there, a la Boogie Cousins. So, um, Matt, is there anything that you're kind of looking forward to watch with the Raptors? They have an upcoming stretch here. Uh, Brian wrote a piece about it on RaptorsRapture.com. Is there anything that 
you're kind of watching over this next 10-game stretch that really the Raptors should look out for. I mean, I mean, I think, and like I kind of said it off the top here too, this next little stretch is going to be very telling for the Raptors, right? Like they've only lost four games, and some of those losses were not very impressive. And, you know, they do have some impressive wins under their belt, but the the talent of game like 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 the the competition back on back-to-back games not necessarily actual back-to-backs but like game to game is going up right like the beginning of this week you got the grizzlies who i mean used to be just oh it's the grizzlies but now they're playing really well right and then obviously thursday is a marquee matchup against the warriors at home uh you know, if the Raptors can make a statement statement there at home, and I think Steph is going to play, hopefully, I think so. Um, but I, to be honest with you, I kind of want him to play. I kind of want to see that matchup uh, against them. And then, I mean, the Nuggets, then the Nuggets come to town, and then the 76ers again. And these are all home games, right? So ideally, you should uh, you should, and then also the Bucks is also a home game, right? Where you know, you have to you have to defend your home court. If they can even get two of those four games, if not three of four, I think that would be uh, that would be a huge coup for them before going back on the West Coast, playing the first place Clippers. Well, currently first place Clippers uh, is a, a you know is another big matchup, and I think you know that that back to back of Clippers Warriors. Thanks again NBA as always for giving the Raptors the back end of the back to back against the Warriors on the road before going up to play the Trail Blazers and the Nuggets again. Right, so. That is a, and then and then coming home and playing the Pacers as well. So the next you know 19 days up until Christmas time is is a really interesting stretch for the Raptors, right? Can they can they hold on to that first place where the Bucks are going into a little bit of a easier stretch in their schedule where they can really rack up the wins? So I mean, if the Raptors if the Raptors are still in first place by though without a doubt be in second place, but if they're still in first place by you know, that December 19th mark, I think that, you know, that will really show the strength of this team and the, and the length of this team. So, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I'll predict a few close losses, maybe even a bad loss in there or a blowout loss. But I think that this, this stretch for the team as a whole will be really important because one of the things that this team is still trying to do is in many ways, build its identity, right. And, and, and get used to each other. I think, I think one of the things that I really enjoy watching is is Kawhi developing that chemistry with his teammates, where he's really, you know, finding his teammates much better than he was in the past, and 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 just finding better assists and and playing within the playing within the offense more. So, I mean, obviously, if we're talking about over the next week, obviously, of course, the the game against the Warriors is the highlight. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. If the Raptors are still in first place by Christmas Day, considered a monster win for the team. This stretch is definitely not easy. It will be interesting to see, especially that West Coast swing, which is just a murderous row of difficult opponents, including a couple back-to-backs. Like I said, if, if the Raptors are still in first place by December 25th, consider it a great sign. Even if they're a game or two back, that's okay. They've gone through a really difficult part of the schedule, and I'll look at... It is a positive, you know, if they're still even in the running there, like within a game of the box. So it will be an interesting stretch here for the Raptors. I'm looking forward to it. Matt, great talking to you as always. Yeah, man, we'll talk to you later.